Hey everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. It is a buyer's auto practice report as training camp heats up. The Buckeyes will be back uh, in pads for the first time since the Fiesta Bowl tomorrow. Today is Tuesday, uh, just in case you're watching this at a different time. That's Jeremy Birmingham and Spencer Holbrook. I'm Austin Ward. Uh, before getting into any of that, there's uh, a bit of news. You can make plans for October 24th. The Buckeyes will open uh, against Nebraska in a game that is now confirmed as a big noon kickoff game uh, on Fox not a surprise, Berm, that the marquee face of the league gets the marquee time slot for week one. Yeah, and it's a nice uh, celebration of Big Ten football is the way I see it. It's a, the return of the Big Ten. It's the two programs that played the biggest role in bringing football back this fall. Hopefully, uh, Nebraska is ready to play a four-quarter football game because otherwise a lot of people will turn that off after the first quarter if it's 28 nothing like it was a year ago in Lincoln. But uh, here is uh, hoping we get to see – everything unfold the way we planned it to after that game. But for now, at least we know we're getting one game and it's going to be a noon kickoff. And I'm excited uh, for three and a half weeks from now. Yeah, I guess we can save the bold prediction about that score, but I have a hard time believing it's going to be any closer than what we've seen from these two programs over the last few years. But either way, uh, Fox and, and any broadcast partner knows that Spencer, Ohio State is the best draw in this league. And, you know, maybe you could cherry pick a few games on the schedule that would outdraw maybe Ohio State and Illinois or Rutgers or something like that. But, you know, for week one at least, and maybe even for most of these games, noon is going to be the spot the Buckeyes land because they're a guaranteed draw no matter almost uh, any opponent that they play. I imagine if ESPN has a game, they'll put Ohio State in a in maybe in a night slot, maybe in a 330 slot just to, to move around some games. But if the Buckeyes are on Fox, you can just pencil them in for noon. I think that's the smartest play Fox has. Anytime they can get uh, the biggest draw in the country on, on, their, uh, on their network, they're going to put it as a big noon kickoff game because then they get Urban Meyer leading into it. They, it's like a perfect scenario for, for what Fox is trying to do with the Big Ten with college football. It'll be interesting to see if they, if they bring the whole crew in for that one, what they'll uh, do as Fox gets ready to try and keep battling college game day and uh, this fight for territory here. But that's, that's a discussion for a couple weeks down the road as practice now ramps up and the intensity picks up for the Buckeyes berm, uh, the wide receivers, Brian Hartline and uh, four of his guys talked with the media on Tuesday afternoon. And uh, I, I won't even lead you in any direction. What was your number one takeaway uh, for zone six? My takeaway is how many people that cover Ohio state football are fascinated by the alignment of wide receivers that are all pretty much the same guy. Like, and it's, I think it's, almost exclusive to the wide receiver group. But every single time we talk to anybody, we hear more letters of the alphabet than we do any other time in our lives. All these guys are pretty much the same player, okay? When we're talking about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and down the road, right? X, Y, Z, H, WTF, who cares? Let's just put the best three or four guys out on the field and let them run. Uh, there's a lot of focus on Garrett Wilson in the slot. I think that's great. I think it's a good move for Ohio State if the offense is built the same way it, is, it has been because he is a, uh, like, K.J. Hill but with upgrades. You know, like, if you're playing a video game and you get, like, to add points into different skill sets, like, he's that guy. So I think it makes sense for Ohio State. But ultimately, where these guys play doesn't really matter, and I think Brian Hartland tried to underscore that, that he wants to move his guys – to all around to get matchup problems. It's not about who's lined up. 
on the outside versus inside versus the other side, like none of that stuff. That, that to me was the takeaway. Like, let's stop focusing on that. Yeah. I think when you've got maybe a guy like Benjamin Victor, who's no longer on the Ohio state roster, you know, he's pretty much going to be in one spot and not going to move. But when you're talking about Chris Olave, Jameson Williams, or Garrett Wilson as your top three, you can pretty much line those guys up anywhere. That's, uh, and Ohio State has, has made an emphasis on cross-training guys at multiple positions anyway, and that doesn't just apply at wide receiver but across the board. And even if you d- dip into the freshmen, the same applies to them, or Cameron Babb. Like, there's no reason that they couldn't play any of those letters, traditional letters. And really, you know, if we've learned anything from watching Ryan Day's offense for these last couple of years, he's going to continue to move pieces around uh, to create matchups wherever he sees fit. And that includes tight ends as well. I know Spencer wanted to keep that conversation going about that position from last week, but I mean, this, this is an offense that can do anything and it has wide receivers, especially that can do anything you could possibly dream up. The wide receiver position is, is fun to me because Ben Victor and Chris Olave essentially played the same position last year at either the X or the Z and they do different things that, you know, they do such different things. You know, Chris Olave is a, a smaller guy, like 175 pounds. Benjamin Victor is like 6'5". Like, they do so many different things, but they play the same position. And so these wide receivers are so interchangeable. You can put them anywhere. I wouldn't be surprised to see Garrett Wilson lined up on the outside, inside, backfield. It doesn't matter where you put him. He's a playmaker. And I think that's just the thing we need to remember. Like, these guys are all playmakers, whether it's Trey Sermon out of the backfield getting the ball, it's a guy on a fly sweep, whoever that may be. It's guys dragging across the middle, going deep on routes. They can all do it all. And I think that's that's the biggest takeaway for me. I know the Zoom camera adds a couple pounds, Spencer, but if you think that Chris Olave is still at 175, we're going to need to catch you up to speed. That dude has built his body – dramatically over the last couple of years and he looks uh he, he looks like a grown man now when he did start and was making plays as a freshman he was doing that a lighter weight there's no question about that but even just looking at him today talking with uh you know he had the sleeves cut off of his t-shirt and uh what Mickey Marotti has done the physical transformation for him has been remarkable um but I mean Ben Victor I might have bought 175 for him you know what's well, funny? I had this conversation. I'm sorry, Spencer, for cutting you off. I had this conversation with a family member the other day because they were talking about the wide receivers. And he said, you know, Olave, he's only like, what, six foot and 100? I'm like, no, I think he's closer to 6'2 and almost 200 pounds now. And it's like he, when he came into Ohio State, he was six foot 170. And it's just a testament to, as you said, Austin, to what uh, Mick Marotti is able to get out of guys. He actually makes them taller. <laughs> which is crazy. I don't know. We haven't seen all of the devices that they use inside of the uh, Woody Hayes, but I guess there must be some sort of body stretcher um, that is um, not on the market yet. I guess yeah. whatever it is, I'm cool with it. He looks like a grown man though. That, that, that part is sure. And I think what's interesting to me, and you know, we'll circle back here is that when a lot of the questions we got for Brian Hartline today were about the 2020 receivers, the four incoming freshmen. And none of those guys are going to need the physical development that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson um, and Jamison Williams and Jalen Harris and all these dudes needed. Like, so that, I, that's why I think it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly that group catches up because physically – all four of them, even Mookie Cooper at five foot ten, five foot nine, five foot ten, are physically ready for college football. Uh, when those other the, the current group was not, and uh, 
obviously Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson still made pretty big impacts as freshmen. So uh, I think that I'm most curious to see how they decide which of that new group uh, moves into that first string rotation. And I think it's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigbo, but I'll let anyone else uh, give their opinion. there. Go for it, Spencer. Yeah, I think it's got to be Jackson Smith and Jigbo because when, when I asked Brian Hartline about him, you know, the word trust came up, the word practice came up, you know, you could, you could kind of draw a couple conclusions from what he was trying to get at. Uh, and, and everything we've heard tells us that he's been a good practice player. He's consistent. Um, and, and he just seems – in the two practices, one practice we saw of him in the spring, he looked like he was ahead of the rest of the freshmen. When you talk about a deep wide receiver unit, this year it's going to involve those freshmen, and I think he's ahead of the pack uh, when it comes to all four of them. Yeah, and I think you look physically, uh, to Berm's point, and Julian Fleming uh, is a completely different monster than anywhere else in the country. That's why he was so highly rated – uh, that's why when we, you know, went out there to meet him in Pennsylvania, we thought, well, this guy, I mean, I really left there and I thought he looks like Michael Thomas already physically. Now the part that you have to ask is he was in an offense that didn't throw the football a lot. He didn't have a lot of routes. He was not very polished in that. And his own coaching staff said, hey, we don't really know how to coach him at that level. We've never seen anybody like him. And he doesn't, you know, it's not what we do with our offense. Uh, and so for Brian Hartline, the, the mission then there was to get him up to speed as quickly as possible more than anybody in that group, I thought he was the closest one to being Big Ten caliber early, but he also was going to have the most to gain out of spring. And taking that away from him, I'm curious to see how long that takes. You know, you guys both bring up Jackson Smith and Jigbud. We know, you know, he had a lot of uh, more elaborate passing concepts and incredible records that he set in Texas. Uh, that production and that experience is probably going to put him on an inside track. But watching Julian Fleming take off, is probably going to be like what it was like with Garrett Wilson a year ago, where week one, week two, week three, you knew physically he had the tools to do it, but Brian Hartline wasn't ready to turn him loose yet. And then by the middle of the year, he was getting it, and he was ready to take off. I think if he follows that blueprint, man, you're gonna, we're, we're going to be talking about a much more dangerous offense by late November than maybe it would look like on October 24th. I think it's so important that people understand the frame of reference that you bring it up here because there was a lot of consternation and concern in the last week when Jackson lost his black stripe and then G. Scott lost his. And people, oh, Julian Fleming is a bust. I'm like, what are, you, what are we doing, first of all? What are we doing? Okay, Julian Fleming was the number one ranked receiver in the country. Jackson Fifth and Jigba was like the number two ranked receiver in the country. G. Scott was the number four ranked receiver in the country. Let's just stop getting ahead of ourselves and understand that yet what, what Austin said is dead on. The, the offense at uh, Southern Columbia High School was not a offense predicated on throwing the ball, but yet Julian Fleming still had almost 6,000 career receiving yards and set almost every single Pennsylvania record. So, like, he almost had got those records on accident, and he didn't know how to really play wide receiver that we expect him to be. What that does mean is that he should have an advantage and a leg up in the run block game, which obviously helps get guys onto the field at Ohio State. But the offenses that G. Scott and Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, come from are much more designed to teach those kids how to play wide receiver. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see how they develop at their own rate. And I think that was probably the wisest thing that Brian Hartland said today is that they may all have the same goals, but they're all going to have a different path to get there. So what you hope for is that each of these guys understands that their role 
um, isn't necessarily going to be the same this year, but not to get too caught up in what the other ones in that group are doing. Yeah, and there could still be a bonus in there. We know what those four freshmen, what their potential, the excitement for those guys is going to be. Uh, we've talked plenty about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jameson Williams, but if you can get something out of Cameron Babb, which uh, just hasn't happened yet, he's been the, one of the most unluckiest guys I've ever seen in terms of injuries. We've just seen a couple of snippets, maybe on video, some photos of him going through training camp. Uh, you know, none of us have seen with our own eyes what he can do for the Buckeyes, but we did – we have asked Brian Hartline about it and his teammates and everybody is pulling for this guy and they, they think he's a, a talented kid. If you add that sort of bonus into the mix, um, then you're really talking about something that can make the Buckeyes even more dangerous. It looks like it's one of the deepest rooms in the country. If, if you can get some production out of him and, and he can be consistent and you get the four freshmen up to speed with where they probably need to be to play in the Big Ten right off the bat, which is going to be a little more tough because they don't have a Bowling Green and they don't have a, a Buffalo on the schedule. Luckily, they have a Rutgers on the schedule. But you get them up to speed and you'll have one of the wow. deepest wide receiver – you'll have one of the deepest wide receiver units in the country. And I think that kind of hinges on the four freshmen, all four getting it quickly, and then Cameron Babb also. I think that Cam Babb, as you said, I mean, this goes back to his sophomore year of high school, just terrible luck with injuries. Two straight years tearing his ACL without contact at Ohio State. Uh, and you just wonder how on earth a kid that young can be so mentally strong to continue to fight the way he has. But I'm telling you, if you look at Cameron Babb, he looks like a million dollars. And I, I know that um, if something were to happen to him again, he would still be one of the leaders of that group because everyone there loves the kid and he's worked his butt off to be in the position he's in. And I, I think that he is going to be a surprise player for not just Buckeyes fans who've sort of forgotten about him as we've talked about all these young guys over the last uh, two years with Olave and Wilson and now the, the fantastic four. Um, but Cam Babb is a player that people should really just love up no matter what at this point. Yeah, I think there's a, an interesting story that will uh, be told there soon uh, with the way Brian Hartline helped Johnny Dixon get through that. He was, to that, to that point, the most snake bit player maybe that I'd ever seen. Uh, and the way that those two manage that, and now Johnny Dixon can, can play that mentor role. He's someone that's held up uh, by Ohio State as a whole, but also within that wide receiver group for the way he persevered and finally got his opportunity to shine, made the most of it. Um, you know, that's obviously the best case scenario for anybody following Johnny Dixon's shoes. You're going to be doing something pretty good for the Buckeyes. We'll see if Cameron Babb can do that now with his opportunity this year. Uh, the pads will come on. He's got three and a half weeks to uh, prove it with the Buckeyes hitting. And then they've got that noon kickoff against Nebraska on October 24th. We'll have as much coverage of that leading up to this 2020 season as possible at Letterman Row. Uh, practice reports and everything else brought to you by Byers Auto. Uh, for Berm and Spencer, I am Austin Ward. We will see you next time at LettermanRoad.com.